Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Issues 2019. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is psychologist Dr. Paul White. Welcome to Issues 2019, Dr. White. Nice to have you with us. Thanks, Steve. Glad to be here. Today we're going to talk about the workplace, where many of us spend or have spent a good portion of our adult lives. And Dr. White has written or co-authored several books about the workplace. Uh, what are those books? Can you give us the titles real quick? Dr. Sure. Uh, the first one is The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. And then uh, sort of a fable version uh, of it called Sync, uh, S-Y-N-C, or Swim, Sink or Swim. And uh, Rising Above a Toxic Workplace, for those that unfortunately work in a place like that. And then uh, The Vibrant Workplace. Okay. Uh, tell us about your background a little bit, including your education, if you will. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in Lawrence uh, and uh, am a Jayhawk fan, but maybe had the wisdom not to go to KU. And uh, <laughs> I uh, grew up in the context of a family-owned business, and that's sort of how I got to where, what I'm doing. I uh, went to school in Chicago, a small college called Wheaton College, and I uh, went there and sure. met my wife there, and then we moved to Phoenix, got my master's in counseling at Arizona State, and then moved to Atlanta and got my uh, PhD in counseling psychology from uh, Georgia State University, downtown Atlanta. And then I've been in Wichita here for oh, 30 years now, uh, uh, worked at Prairie View for a number of years, and then have been out on my own for probably, I don't know, 20 years now. And uh, well, why, uh, well, let me ask you this. Why have you focused your career on the workplace? Well, because there's a need. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, uh, I worked with families and, and kids for a number of years and still do some of that. Um, because of my background in working with family or growing up in a family business, uh, some friends of mine that were business consultants kept running into family issues because 85 percent of all the companies in the U.S. are family owned. And uh, so I started consulting, uh, helping, you know, things like father and son or two brothers not getting along, and then moved into what's called business succession planning. So who's who's going to own it? Who's who's going to manage the business? Uh, and in the midst of that, just saw the, uh, the need for uh, dealing with the relationships within the workplace. So moved that direction. Well, I did some research on, on what you've done before, and I thought, you know, I wonder if he's – if he's concentrating on big companies or, or small companies, because you, like you said, most yeah. of the companies are small businesses. Right? right. Yeah. I mean, I've done both. I have sort of backed off and mainly do uh, s smaller local companies now. I've worked with some major uh, companies and businesses uh, and wealthy families, uh, but sort of got tired of traveling around doing that and so sort of pulled back and just working in this area primarily. What are some of the biggest challenges that businesses and employers face regarding their employees? Well, I would say the the biggest one is uh, finding uh, good employees currently. That's uh, both and good employees from the sense of competence and character. Uh, that you know, here in the Wichita area, we've got uh, difficulties finding people that have the technical skills needed. Uh, but then you have the whole issue of sort of work ethic, and I, I guess I would tie in. Uh, with uh, the character issue is uh, attitude, you know, having a positive attitude uh, rather than complaining and grumbling and uh, always wanting something more different. Mm -hmm. When it comes to uh, job satisfaction, what should employees expect 
in the workplace? Huh. Oh, that's a great question. I think that's actually the part of the issue in our culture. I think that we haven't done a good job uh, in raising our young people to have appropriate expectations for uh, work um, and that, you know, our feeling responses here, I'm talking as a psychologist because I am one, uh, our feelings are a response uh, to the match between our expectations and the reality that we experience. And so if we have really high expectations and they're not met, we're either disappointed or angry or frustrated, whatever it might be. And I think we've created that by um, sort of expecting or asking young people, what do you want to do? What are you interested in? You know, and obviously there's the issue of, you know, wanting to make a difference, which is good. But, you know, most uh, entry-level jobs aren't that Great. <laughs> you know, I mean, they have uh, uh, some uh, negative aspect, whether it's bad hours, low pay, you know, it's nasty work, and, and you have to start somewhere. And so I think uh, the issue of not having realistic expectations clearly about beginning jobs uh, has created a lot of uh, disappointment and resentment by uh, a number of employees. They, they call it starting at the bottom for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, you know, um, it's not that it should always stay there. Hopefully not over time. Hopefully we get to move up in our career pathway. But if you expect, you know, it to be fulfilling uh, from the beginning, I think uh, you're going to be sorely disappointed. And so we have to sort of help uh, people understand that, you know, work is primarily about providing goods and services that people want or need and willing to pay for. And it's not always fun. And that's why it's called work. That's a good quote. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> That's why they call it work. <laughs> now, what should uh, workers expect or strive for? Uh, should they expect or strive for the occasional pat on the back from management? I imagine a lot of people would never get that. Right, right. You know, and That's and part of what you talk about. Yeah, I mean, a lot of my focus in working with uh, employers and leaders and employees is the issue of appreciation in the workplace. And I've had plenty of employers say, hey, we pay them. You know, that's their appreciation, you know, have a nice day. And, uh, and that's okay in one sense. But, you know, the, the issue of whether people should expect to be patted on the back or appreciated I think becomes a moot question because the research shows that most people do. And I think it's realistic over time that, you know, somebody says something that, you know, hey, thanks for doing your job and doing a good job. Yes, we're adults and, yeah, we have to motivate ourselves – but at some point, it's nice to know that somebody else values what you do and uh, in your efforts. And so um, I think there's a balance there. It's not like we should throw a party every time somebody shows up and says, hey, Patty's, you know, at work, you know, let's let's celebrate. Uh, and it's, you know, that's an extreme where sometimes you hear about people wanting to be praised for every little thing. But the, the opposite side is, you know, I think it's reasonable that occasionally you should hear or have some act of appreciation uh, for, for the effort you're putting forth. Well, it was just a one-minute manager who wrote about uh, walking around trying to find people doing something good uh -huh. or something like that. You yeah. Know, Kim, I, yeah, Kim Blanchard wrote that. Yeah. Yeah, and um, part of it is, yeah, that whole walking around kind of aspect. But I think for us, um, you know, appreciation, is, it goes beyond performance. And clearly we want to – uh, catch people doing the right thing and, you know, reinforce that because we want people to follow procedures or do a good quality job or answer the phone nicely. Mm -hmm. But in, in our mind, appreciation goes beyond that. It's not just about performance, but that we have value as people 
And uh, there are times when we're not at the top of our game, you know, and we don't sort of lose value as a person or uh, even an employee in that kind of situation. Um, and there are aspects that we can appreciate about somebody that's not related to performance. Like, personally, I like to, you know, work with cheerful people more than grumbly people, you know. And so uh, we can appreciate that even though that doesn't mean they're, they're the top performer in their department. But how tough is it for a human being to say, I really appreciate what you're doing? I mean, how many times have I told my wife recently, you're really a good wife? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not, not go for... there, Steve. But that's... <laughs> that's a different kind of psychology. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so we'll talk about that off, well, off, off air. But... And, and you're going to charge me yeah, for that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. No, but, you know, uh, yeah, it, it is a difficult thing. And, and it's interesting. So um, we have 80,000 people on a newsletter list and that we send out polls to occasionally. And one of the things we asked is, what don't you like to hear in the sense of, people trying to show appreciation. One of the most common responses was, good job. And you might think, well, I thought we're supposed to tell people they have done a good job. It's too generic and vague. It doesn't take much thought, energy, and it could apply to anybody. And I've had some technical people say, you know, my manager wouldn't know if I was doing a good job or not because they're not technicians. <laughs> the issue is to be as specific as you can. Um, and we sort of developed a little... Um, outline for people, use a person's name. We'd like to hear their name. If you're writing it, make sure you write their name correctly because there's a lot of different ways to spell Diane or, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> and then be specific. Say, you know, Diane, I appreciate you coming in uh, early and getting things ready for this meeting that we're having. And then the third part is to tell why it's important, uh, either to you, to the organization, or to your client. So, Diane, thanks for coming and getting things ready. That way I'd could focus on preparing for the meeting and not have to worry about, you know, the room itself. So, yeah, and, you know, about half of the population are introverted. And so, to, you know, to go up and just sort of say that kind of stuff can be difficult. So we encourage people uh, often to start out by writing it, you know, and that's, you know, either an email or a text. You could do a handwritten note that's less valued in the younger generations than it has been in the past. Uh, but you know, write it out and, you know, just say what you value about them and what you appreciate. And it doesn't have to be a big deal, but it's helpful to hear something. Otherwise, you know, I had a friend tell me, he said, you know, the silence is deafening. He could work and work and do a good job and never hear anything. And that's pretty discouraging. Every now and then, because uh, I've been in management a lot over the past 50 years, I'm not necessarily in management now, but every now and then somebody in my area does something good. I'll get an e I'll put an email out to everybody in this building, mm -hmm. specifically saying, "Hey, you did a good job, and we really appreciate it." Something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, is that wrong? Am I being obnoxious? <laughs> by well, it depends <laughs> on the person, and that's part of the 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 model of the five languages of appreciation. First of all, uh, not everybody appreciates words. I mean, the five languages are words of affirmation, so you're affirming the value, you know, verbally. Quality time. Some people just feel valued when you spend time with them acts of service. Some people really appreciate it if you help them out with a project. Let's say if there's a, a time deadline that they're really pushing on and just to say, hey, way to go, keep going, doesn't mean much to them. You know, there's a sort of saying, you know, words are cheap or don't, you know, tell me you care, show me. And so acts of service, uh, tangible gifts in our model is not bonuses or whatever. It's just small things that show that you're getting to know the person, bring in their favorite cup of coffee, uh, maybe a magazine uh, article that you saw that 
knew they'd be interested in. And then physical touch is sort of the the, the touchy Yank. one, but <laughs> but really, uh, it's it's largely in the workplace spontaneous celebration, right? It's a it's a high five when you. Uh, complete a project. It's a fist bump when you solve a problem. Maybe a congratulatory handshake. So, but maybe not a kiss on the back of the head. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't tell you how many times. That, no, yeah. I, I can't. Yeah. Hey, so, so how many employers approach worker satisfaction with a shrug and say you're lucky to have a job? Yeah, how about well, a lot of them. <laughs> well, yeah, either employers or, or even supervisors, right? Yeah, yeah. and it's, that's less of an issue. I mean, when we first came out and. 2011, after the 2008 and 9 financial crisis, that was a big issue. Yep. And it still can be there, but, but the challenge is we know that uh, when people don't feel valued or appreciated, a lot of bad things start to happen. And the number one thing is they leave. We know that 79% of the people who leave a job voluntarily say that they left because they didn't feel valued. Most employers and managers think people leave for more money, but that's actually not the case. Only 12% of employees say that they're actually even for more money. Now, money may be a part of it, but what really drives them is the emotional part because it takes a lot of emotional energy to leave a job, find a new job. So there's got to be some sort of emotional kicker, and often it's like they don't give a rip about me. They don't care what I do, and so they move on. And so the employers that only think about money – uh, are going to wind up having more turnover. Yeah, you're listening to Issues 2019 on the Intercom radio stations, and our guest is Wichita psychologist Dr. Paul White. And I knew I was going to do this. I'm going to sidetrack you for just a little bit sure. and talk about something that uh, there are. I know a good many people who have actually never been fired from a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have. Mm-hmm. My wife has. And, you get, and we've been let go when our performance standards were above everybody's. Sure. That hurts. Absolutely. I don't care what the circumstances. Talk right. about the hurt of just losing your job. Well, the, the hurt and the pain is that the message, whether intended or not, is that you're not as valued as something else or somebody else. I mean, it, it doesn't all, it's not always comparative to people, but it may be money spent elsewhere, right? And so uh, that hurts our heart that we you know, feel like people don't really value who we are and what we, what we do. And yeah. It's it's a tough situation, and you need social support. I mean, whether that's friends or family, and and you also have to sort of go back in your, your mind and say, okay, what were there things that I could have done better, and I need to prove on? But also, hey, I, this does not mean I'm a failure. You know, I've interviewed dozens of multimillionaire business people uh, about their uh, history, and always uh, there's been some quote-unquote failure in their process that they had to pick themselves up from and keep going. And so I think that's the issue. I mean, success in what, however you want to define it really does involve perseverance, that wow. you don't give up um, just because of a setback. And sometimes you go on to something better. Absolutely. <laughs> Talk a little bit about negativity in the workplace. Yeah, so <laughs> that's probably one of the bigger challenges right now because, um, well, I don't know the because, except for I think people have unrealistic expectations about work. But, you know, if you think about negative behavior, what does that include? That includes grumbling, complaining, blaming, gossiping, um, you know, sarcastic, cutting remarks, that kind of thing. Um, and and it just is sort of like, you know, putting iron in salt and water. You know, I mean, it just erodes it over time. And uh, lots of times we feel like our culture at work is sort of external. It happens to us. But actually, 
we each have the ability to make a difference. And I would say if you find yourself in a, a fairly negative work environment, there's two key things you can do. First of all, don't add to the negativity. Don't, you know, chime in and you know, share your own <laughs> thoughts. And secondly, uh, you know, f- try to focus on something positive. And it doesn't have to be about another person. It can just be, you know, hey, you know, it's a great, we haven't had a great couple of days of spring here, you know, no wind, able to enjoy the weather. Positive comments, whatever they're about, sort of throws water on a developing fire of negativity. And so um, focus on yourself. Don't chime in. Try to turn it positive. But it's, it's a big issue. And, and also, if you have, you know, one or two colleagues that you can maybe say, hey, you know, we need to really try to, to be more positive and yeah. supportive, even though there are problems. It's not like you're going to be... Uh, Pollyannish about it. You know there are you know as well as I do there are people who are just chronic gripers and bellyachers who are such high, such high performers right. that will put up with them. You well, know? you know what? Yeah, <laughs> actually, we, in, in our work with uh, toxic workplaces and rising above a toxic workplace, found a group that we call toxic achievers. Right? They're people who are really good at what they do professionally, but they kill everybody not physically, <laughs> but, but otherwise they're, they're around them, and so they. Uh, you know, sort of have a revolving door of assistants or colleagues around them because they are just a pain to work with. And the, they're difficult. Uh, often they feel like the rules don't apply to them. They should be treated specially and so forth. And to be honest, Steve, it's sort of like a black walnut tree, you know, where it can throw off a lot of walnuts, but they have toxins in the soil and their roots that nothing can grow around them. Uh, my belief about toxic achievers is you have to get rid of them uh, otherwise, they're going to continue to poison the environment. That's why one of my first uh, managers said, one bad apple can spoil the barrel. And that's go. exactly what you're talking about. Right. Let's talk a little bit about uh, motivation. Uh, a raise in pay, is that, is that a, the best worker motivation there? Absolutely is? not. <laughs> I, I mean, there's five decades of research <laughs> well, showing why do I keep asking? <laughs> <laughs> well, we all would like a little bit more money, right? Yeah. And, and we're not going to give it back and say, no, no, keep it, give it to somebody else. <laughs> but we do know that uh, any kind of monetary uh, reward, raise, bonus is a very short-term motivator. Now, yeah. it feels good for a while, but if that's what you get and nothing else changes around you as far as the communication, decision-making, and the negativity – Within a few weeks, if not a a couple of months, you're not really going to enjoy your job anymore. Mm -hmm. And so throwing money at situations uh, isn't uh, the main way to both get and keep people. There's some good new research that shows millennials, Gen Xers uh, clearly uh, aren't looking for making the most money. They're looking for feeling valued and appreciated and being able to use who they are and their talents and gifts to, to make a difference uh, in the clients and, and, and the, in the world. Well, what about uh, management's efforts to motivate employees? Can you do that? I've read that you can't really motivate somebody. They have to be motivated themselves. But how do you trigger that? How do you get that going? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's a both and, right? I mean, we have to motivate ourselves. But we can help support and reinforce what we see that's going well. Um, because let's say if we motivate ourselves and we don't get any feedback, any kind of, whether it's verbal or, or monetary or any kind of thing, more responsibility, we're like, why should I keep doing this, right? So it's, it's you know, sort of uh, uh, a circular kind of thing that hopefully um, the people can start out, but you can always find something uh, that, that you can uh, sort of 
reinforces like, hey, good to see you today. Thanks for showing up before noon, you know, whatever it might be. So, uh, uh, and you sort of shape them, right? I mean, that's what we do with kids and adolescents and young adults. I was going to talk a, a little bit more about uh, motivating the troops. And uh, I've been in, we've all been in a workplace where, okay, so we're going to have a party uh, or once a month we'll do this. Right. Um, and employee recognition. And, and I, I like those things. I think everybody does. But uh, are, are those pretty much, are they boring? Are they good things to do? Or Well, they... again, it goes back to not everybody feels appreciated in the same ways. And at, at our website, appreciationatwork.com, we've got all different kinds of resources about this. But again, for introverts, going to an unstructured social event with people they don't know very well it's just like, poke me an eye with a stick and let's get it over with. I mean, it's like it's not <laughs> rewarding to them. And so part of the issue is we have Let to... Let me just interject. In broadcasting, we don't have that problem. <laughs> okay. Everybody's an extrovert. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But, uh, you know, you have to find out what is meaningful and uh, rewarding to the individual and try to do that. And so we've created an online assessment that we've had 185,000 people worldwide take. Um, and that identifies how the different people uh, like to be shown appreciation. You try to target that. Uh, uh, someone I've interviewed, is, I'm not going to drop his name, but he's actually been interviewed on this show. It's a very successful uh, a businessman, an entrepreneur. It's a, basically his philosophy in the workplace was, as a manager, the golden rule. Treat your employees as you would like to be treated. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and if I it's think that simple, why are you on air talking <laughs> <laughs> because we don't teach that in our culture, uh, and it, it really lies on a skill called perspective taking, and that is being able to see situations from other people's point of view, and we've lost that in our culture. We think about ourselves first and sometimes solely, and we don't stop to think what would they like, what would be you know something that they would enjoy versus, hey, you know, I like chocolate pie, so we're going to get chocolate pie for everybody, or I'd like a party. And so we really need to work on building that skill. Out there. Hearing a lot about uh, people, the jobs, are not, not enough workers in the area. You talked about this earlier. Uh, should we all be looking at more training, retraining, updating our resumes all the time, you think? Uh, I don't think so. I think, you know, if we get along with people, uh, that's really a sticky part of keeping a job. You can be really good, but if people hate working with you or if you're a grump or you treat people poorly – uh, you're more likely on the chopping block. So I think part of it is, and this is true for younger uh, workers, that they really value collegial relationships. In the old days, we talked about, you know, don't leave a job, you leave, leave a manager or supervisor. That's less true for younger workers. They want to get along with their colleagues and peers. And so building those skills and relationships uh, will help you probably keep your job. So what can I do when I walk in the door every day with all these people I have to work, uh, get to work with? <laughs> Well, you know, um, it's nice to smile. It's nice to look somebody in the eye and say, good morning, start off with something positive. Um, and, uh, and then also, I would say, either share a little bit about what's going on with you and say, hey, did you watch the game last night? I enjoyed the game. Or what did you do this weekend? And both ask about them, but share. Lots of times people won't share unless you share as well and say, hey, you know, well, I had fun. I went fishing this weekend. Uh, you know, did you do anything fun? Mm -hmm. And building a little bit of personal interaction. 
one of the keys is that people are more than production units. Employees are more than production units, and we're people, and we have lives, both outside of work and during work, and so focusing on that can be helpful. I like to tease people. I know sometimes it doesn't go over very well, but uh, if I know them well enough, I'll tease them a little bit, and they know that's the way I show affection. I I guess what you're saying to me today is, though, probably a neck rub and a kiss on the back of the head is not... Something about it too, unless uh, yeah, <laughs> no, not in the workplace, not in the workplace. But and sarcasm and you know teasing can can be fine as long as it's also balanced with at least an occasional positive comment that right. doesn't have that cutting edge to it. Well, I've uh, we had a good session, and we'll have to have you come back, and we'll talk some more about this because I think it's fascinating. Uh, so many of us spend a lot of our time in the workplace, and uh, you've brought us a, some good things. I know there are other things you know about, so I might have to have, have you come back and talk to me again. If I'd be glad to do if that. You, if you wouldn't mind doing sure, that. Sure, love to. Our guest is Wichita psychologist Dr. Paul White. That's all for this edition of Issues 2019. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 